And you said, Elder, and to all of the elders and everybody in their official staff and position, but you said that you all pray for other churches and ministries. That's the greatness in a person and in a congregation that can consider more than themselves. For you see, we are in it together and it is promoting the will of Almighty God in this earth. Therefore, don't you expect to be the only light? I'm going to be alone. Consider this, if you will. If your light go out in your refrigerator, why not get your ladder from your basement? Go outside, climb up the lamppost, and take the bulb out, and then come back in your house and open up your refrigerator door and install that street light bulb in your refrigerator. <laughs> I don't think you have good success. Well, you might say, preacher, why did you say that? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So it's not how many watts or how many amps. It's the purpose of the light that Jesus has given you. Yes, the small lights in your oven and in your refrigerator, they have a purpose. And no other bulb can serve that purpose. The street lights have a purpose. Your flashlight have a purpose. Not to be lengthy, but listening in on everyone in here that's looking this direction. I have a light. You have a light, you have a light, you have a light, and all of us got a light. But all of them not the same. Let your light shine. And your light will serve the purpose and which God intended it to be. And it's not to be competitive but it's to be lights together, lighting up the word of God that all men 
women, boys, and girls can see the light and come to the light. I'm happy to be here. I am humbled and being invited Uh, I'd be comical sometimes, and uh, I'd be real serious, and then sometimes I just get all down in that way. And I might do a little bit of both of them now. But first, before I further do, I, if it's okay, just give me a little bit of time. Elder Doris, would you stand? This is Elder Ernest Doris. He's the pastor of uh, Church in St. Louis, Destiny House of Prayer. And he's also a young man that uh, I married him to his wife about how long ago? About 28 years. About 28 years. So he's doing good. And while you're standing there, I'm moving over this way. This couple told me they've been married 60-some years. Is that right? 67, my God. And uh, I was standing there looking with great admiration and love. And I'm behind them, but I'm coming. And I told them, I said, well, I've been married 52 and he been married 28. Now if you compare us as lights, we all are still shining. Amen. God bless you. Uh, we're gonna go to the word of God. I want you to go to Genesis. Chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read for your hearing from verse 21 through 24, and uh, I'm going to give you a subject and maybe a theme and we'll kind of work our way through it. As my grandfather used to say, we just uh, fumble with it a little bit. You know, if you're trying to fix something. Some of y'all might not have never heard that word, but to fumble means to keep at it until you get it. Is that all right? Uh, Genesis chapter Three, beginning at verse 21. Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now least he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live 
forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east gate of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And we're going to use this thought. Adam, come home. If you all don't mind, just look at one person, even if it's me, and say, Adam, come home. When I was born in Alabama, that was one show that I really did love. <coughs> Don't remember the stars, but I remember the plot of the play. And the name of that was Lassie, Come Home. And as I look around here today, I'm sure that many of you enjoyed that show. I think the little boy's name was Tim. If, uh, okay, I got some witnesses up in the house. <laughs> and, but here's the point about that. You can take it in any country. Lassie, come home. Those of you here that have pets, and some of you all might have little Pikachu, whatever you call them, little dogs, and some of you might have Great Danes or whatever, but every now and then you'll see a story on TV where somebody lost their dog. And they lost it on this side of the country, but maybe six months later, somebody will call because the dog had ID and say, we found the dog. And certainly you want your dog to come home. But you don't know what the dog been through. Lassie went through so much when she was away from home. At home there were understanding and love and kindness and all these types of things. But when she got away from home and got stranded, she encountered danger. She encountered neglect and all types of things. But to end the story with a smile, when she gets home after being attacked and going through much, there is joy. And the great man of God that read the scripture there were great love when she got home because nothing is more stronger than love. All of you have heard the term 
of action, speech, louder than words. That's, that's true. But even your action speaking louder than words, love is stronger than anything, including your action. So that's what we seek for. So now let's move to man. We'll put last to come home on the shelf. But we'll reach and we'll fumble with Adam. Adam, come home. And I think I'll tell you what you already know that I'm a black man. I'm standing here before a predominantly white conjugation. But I'm sure that you know when God made Adam there was something that happened that maybe a lot of people don't pay a close attention to. At that time it, 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 it hadn't rained or no kind of moisture had hit the earth when God finished making all things. And, and, and the Bible said God called a mist. A mist, you know. Maybe lighter than fog, I don't know. But what he did, he watered the whole earth with this mist. And then with his divine hands, he gathered dust from the whole earth and strategically brought it to a place called Eden. And there was a beautiful garden. And there he formed man. But here's the key. You must remember that dust from the whole earth. So therefore what he's doing is making nations in one man and names that man Adam. You say, well, preacher, how do you know all of this? The word says so. But God don't take away and then don't ever give back because when God take away, he gives back more than he took. Well, you say, sure enough, yes. God didn't take from Job. He allowed Satan to take. But when God restored it and gave it back, he gave Job twice what he had in the beginning. I've had preachers to come and say, well, you know, everything but uh, his wife and children. But... I, I, I disagree. And y'all don't mind me calling it this because Sister Job was twice as sweet as she was before. So he got a double wife and one. Is that all right? Then the children, the girls, uh, those three daughters were more beautiful than the first. 
and the seven sons were more successful, double than the first. So you can't ever show me anywhere where God takes, then when he gives, he give less than he took. That's against his nature. It's always going to be more. So the time came that man wanted to exalt himself. So in Babel, man began to build a tower. The Bible says up to heaven, but they weren't trying to get to where God was. They wanted a great monument so that when they died, their children could look to them with great admiration, but not to God. God wasn't having any of that. So what he did, he took a bad situation and turned it into good. You see, how did that happen? Well, he confused their language. They asked for brick. The others sent mortar. And it got worse and worse and worse. And maybe you've been around people that's real confusing. And the longer you stay, the more confusing they are. So your step would be to get away from them. That's what happened at the building of the Tower of Babel. They began to migrate. But notice what I told you in the beginning. God called a mist to water the whole earth. Well, here these peoples are going back to where God gathered the dust. So they spread back over the whole earth. And we have a thing going now called climate change. Well, as they stayed in different climates, they changed. Is anybody with me? So it depends on what part of the earth God got you from and you went back to, you became that particular nation. Ain't God wise? Ain't God great? They wanted to leave a legacy for them, but God scattered them to let them know he's still God. Makes no difference what man does or how wise man think he is. Every ounce comes from God. Can I tell y'all a little comical story? And I'm going to get a little deep in the word and go sit down. It was a fellow that was wise and wise and wise. And he challenged God. God, I can do whatever you do. Whatever you do, I can do it too. God said, well, you can. Yeah. He said, I can even make a man. See, God ain't arguing. He just let them do the talk. And see, sometimes people can just keep talking and it look like they got a shovel in their hand because the more they talk, it looks like the deeper they get in the hole. That's what happened to him. Yeah, I can make a man. So he stooped down and began to get dirt, 
bring it together. God looking at him, he said, what you doing? He said, I'm finna make me a man. I got to get, get this date together. He said, well, wait a minute, excuse me. He said, what you're going to have to do is go get your own date. That's my date. <laughs> so he never did make no man because he didn't have no date. Now, that's why Jesus says in the New Testament, you can do nothing without me. But he told Paul to tell us that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened us. Ain't that right? Adam, come home. In Genesis chapter 3, you see where God made them clothing, God killed the first lamb. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. That's why, and I'm going a little ahead, but I'm going to bag up and get the caboose, I promise. That's why it's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Blood is essential I get happy, y'all. I'm going to try to stay down here. but I, uh, For salvation, blood is essential. So God did two things. He killed the lamb so that he wouldn't have to kill Adam. And he couldn't send him out naked, so he took the skin and made clothing. Now, God kept allowing that thing to happen up until the coming of Jesus. You had to go to the priest with your sacrifice. Depends on your financial status. You could come all the way down to a turtle dove. But the turtle dove or the bullock had to be without blemish to be killed. But it did not eradicate. It did not take away your sins. Everybody see that card? See that card? This is what blood did. It covered your sins so God wouldn't have to look at them. Just covered. They are there but they covered. But when Jesus came and Jesus died, you see that card? Jesus took them away completely and left you with a clean slate. Do you see that? That's why he is the savior of the world. You'll see here when God plays cherubim. Cherubim is a denomination of angels, and they're known for warriors. And Adam had already 
disobeyed and had ate the fruit that was forbidden. Eve ate first and then gave to her husband. So then when God made Adam and put him in the garden, Adam was holy. But the transgression of the law is sin. So God had given a law and they broke the law. Therefore sin came in and they had to go. See, sin put distance between you and God. Yes, it does. But thank God for Jesus that the cherubim was placed at the east gate with flaming swords. Now, you, you know what? A sword, a real good sword, is dangerous by itself. Yeah, real sharp sword, two-edged sword. And so Adam couldn't get back in there and eat of the tree of life and live a sinner, an everlasting sinner. God wasn't having that. But I, God don't need to help secure nothing. But you know what it is? The, the swords, he set the swords on fire. So in other words, for Adam to get back in there, God to get the tree of life, he got to come past a sharp sword and fire. And ain't no way he could do that. But Jesus came in the volume of the book that is written of him. And can you just see in your mind and can you just imagine this? The cherubims are standing there to keep man from getting back to paradise, to keep man from coming back and being holy, to keep man from coming back to God. But can you see Jesus hanging on Calvary, hanging on Golgotha, hanging on the place of a skull? And he gave a little hint when the thief on the right side you know what the thief on the left side had already said, if you be. That's the same thing the devil told him in the wilderness, if you be. See, so you ain't got to prove nothing to nobody if you know you are. And they said, if you be, I am. That's why that word, I am, is the most powerful word in the world. Because there's only one can say it with authority. Well, you see what you're talking about. Well, and I hope everybody living here live a real long time, long time. But I tell you what, if you will, just say this for me. I am. I am. Can I do it one more time? I am. One more time, there'll be three. I am. Now, I guarantee you, in the body that you're in now, in the flesh that you're in now, 200 years from now, you won't be able to say that. Nothing. If you believe you all, raise your hand. I don't see no hands. Because if you could say anything, it'd be I was. <laughs> Couldn't say I am. But only Jesus can say I am right now. And a billion, trillion years from now, he can say I am. 
I won't turn there, but in the book of Revelations, chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and I have the keys of death and hell. I got the keys. So therefore, before I go to my seat, I heard somebody pray about bless us all, bless all I need. I want you to know that Jesus got a key to every problem in this house. He got a key to every healing. He got a key to everything you need. Because Jesus Christ stepped at the east gate of the garden and he told the cherubim, step aside, put your sword out. I'm bringing Adam back home and I want you to know that whatever it is, Adam, come home. Savior have hung, Lord, hold me, I better stop that. Bled, Lord, how much you here? Bled and died, died for you, so you can come home. I know that in life there, there's some dangerous curves, there are some valleys, there are some mountains, but come on home. Come on home, Lord. Hold me here now. Mm -mm. Can't do that. I'm a black boy and I holler every now and then. Y'all hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. It get good to me. Because one thing about it, I might get out there and get twisted up and tangled up. But I can do just like Peter did out there on the sea amidst the stone. To his eyes off of Jesus, Lord, hold me. Yes, he did. He heard the thunder roaring. Huh? Uh -huh. He saw the lightning flashing. Yeah. Huh? Felt the waves hitting him. Yeah. To his eyes off of Jesus. Uh -huh. But his mind told him he out there somewhere. Yeah. All you got to do is call him. Yeah. Call him by his name. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Yeah, his name. Uh-uh. Is Jesus. And when you call him by name, nobody will tell you, you my child. I died for you. I purchased you, uh, with my own blood. You belong to me. Devil can't have you. Problems can't have you. Sickness can't have you. Ah, you my child. Come on home. 